Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Cara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, and we're currently on season three. Whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now on to the episode. Season 3, Episode 8, Lover's Walk. Welcome back to an old character, an old friend of ours. It's so nice to see Spike again in this episode. Yeah, I love it. I love how he comes back. I, just, I love everything about Spike in this episode. I am not always going to love Spike in this series, and there will be some <laughs> hard discussions ahead. For those of you who've <laughs> listened and watched the show, you hard know. times ahead. Um, but I'll say it yeah. right now. I have no complaints about Spike in this episode. No, he's a delight in this episode. He's so funny. He's such a scene stealer, and it's so nice to see him. And, you know, so, him coming in episode eight, dare I say the show misses him a bit, right? Like this funny comic relief character that's like sees it all. Like he's the guy that's coming in. He's stirring the pot to unravel a lot of the, the relationships. And we'll see that at the end of the episode. But like he's the the chaos element that's like bringing out a lot of truth in the storytelling, which is a really interesting way to use his character. Before we get into the episode, I want to remind our listeners that when we record for Prophecy Girls, Kara and I always record at least two weeks in advance, sometimes three, but for the most part, we're two weeks in advance. So if anyone has any hot stakes or questions or inquiries or anything they want to ask us through our DMs or in our email, just remember that we are two weeks ahead. So do the math. <laughs> so basically today we're recording Lover's Walk, but I believe this week Band Candy is coming out. So there's just a little starting point for you to start calculating <laughs> if you have an episode coming up in season three that you want to send a hot steak in for just remember that we are ahead of schedule because it makes it easier for car and i we don't go we don't we don't go nuts and stress ourselves out in the week leading up to it if we speak for yourself staff <laughs> <laughs> Kara needs four weeks in advance <laughs> to really feel comfortable. It's all good. Uh, we also have another piece of exciting news, which is thanks to all of you, we can say that we have officially had over 50,000 all-time downloads. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Congratulations, Kara. <laughs> Thank you. Congratulations, Steph. Like, we've been doing this for less than a year, um, and we're loving it, and we really appreciate all of the downloads, we appreciate all of the support. Um, every time you write into us, especially with nice stuff, um, <laughs> it's great. And it makes us want to keep doing this. So don't forget that. Like some, I know from my experiences, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I very seldom write in. And I totally understand if you're out there listening and you're just lurking and you don't want to talk to us, it's fine. Um, but never, never feel like you're bothering us, even if we don't get back to you for a couple of days. We love hearing from our listeners and we appreciate that we're building this community with all of you yes thank you so much this is because of everybody here that we are feeling these happy emotions but also that we feel so proud of what we've built together and our listeners are obviously 
the biggest part of that. So thanks to everybody and thanks to you, Kara. All right. Now on to the episode where we will enjoy certain aspects and other aspects we will have to talk about all the lies that are happening. The lies. Oh, I have a lot to say about Xander and Willow. I thought you might. I am nothing if not consistent. And Xander and Willow are consistently pissing me off this season. So they're walking on campus. The episode begins. They're at, we're at school. It's the daytime. Willow and Xander are walking. And Willow is saying, this is a nightmare. My world is spinning. And Xander is saying, it's not that bad, Willow, really. And Willow says that she got 740 on verbal. And she means the SATs. And she calls herself pathetic and illiterate. Now, Cara, again, you and I are Canadian. We didn't do the SATs. I don't know what a good score is. Neither do I. Yeah. Like, does it do the, like, if she got 740 on verbal, does that mean there's like five or six other areas that create a combined score? Yeah. There's math and then there's the written, like the the language part, which I think is what she means by verbal. I think it's just the two. Clearly, we could just look this up on Wikipedia if we wanted to, but we're not going to. We're going to sound like ignorant Canadians for all of our listeners. You're welcome. Uh, Because I don't care enough. I don't care. I don't care about these numbers. All we know is that Willow (laughs) is officially not smart anymore, according to the standardized test. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think our listeners know that about us, that we rarely go and look things up before we start recording. We usually do it during. So... Xander says that 740 verbal resembles his combined score. So you might be onto something here, Kara. And Willow asks where she went wrong and sits down on the bench. And Xander sits beside her and puts his arm around her. And he's like, he calls her amazing. That's where you went wrong, Willow. You got yourself distracted by cheating on your perfect boyfriend. Exactly. And I'm like, you guys aren't even trying to hide your affair now. Like you're just out in the open with it in this episode. It's time to get caught. So Cordy and Oz approach from behind and Xander jumps up immediately because he's guilty. And he says, Willow's sad because of her academic failure. And then he asks to see Cordy's SAT marks. Marks? Score? I don't know. And he's looking at them. And he's like, this is no good. And she's like, what? And he's like, I'm worried that people will find out that he's dating a brain, he says. And Cordy says, please, I have some experience in covering these things up. <laughs> so this is really interesting because clearly Cordelia got a really good score on the SATs. And she knows it. And she's been hiding her intelligence from everybody. Like she goes, we've known this about her, that she goes out of her way to appear stupider than she is. But, you know, I guess the SAT scores don't lie. Cordelia has done really well for herself. And this is the first scene in the series where I started thinking about what does she want to do with her life? And since she has the intelligence and the charisma to make it anywhere... I'm just so curious where she thinks she's going to go. So I just I just looked it up. The combined oh. score has a range of 400 to 1600. And okay. each of the two sections, the math and what they call the verbal, uh, is 200 to 800 of those points. Um, okay. So Willow's score of 740 is out of 800. Oh, so that's really good. Yes. But I don't think I needed to know that. <laughs> You know, I needed to know that because why would math be half of that score? Like, what math about... is important, Steph? <laughs> math, you, if you met me, math is not that important. <laughs> uh, listeners, for context, I teach both math and English, so I think they're equally important, and that is one thing the SAT got right. It's the only thing. So, 
Yeah, so I'm I'm with you on Cordelia, her intelligence, having to hide it. I think that's something we've talked about a lot, a lot on this show, and that's one of the reasons why we cut Cordelia slack in the way she behaves. Is It's that survival mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's cute. I think it's cute that Oz is... The, the way he comments on Willow's test score, right? He's like, yeah, I see why you're disappointed, right? It's like, he's not trying to feed into what, what she's feeling, but he's just kind of like validating her feelings and acknowledging mm-hmm. how important this is for her. Yeah. And it's Xander who says, well, your sarcastic voice sounds a lot like your normal voice. And Oz is like, yeah, I've been told that. <laughs> and then Oz suggests celebrating. He's like, let's celebrate. Let's do something. And Cordelia is like, like the four of us? As, and, and like she just seems so against it and she even <laughs> says no to Xander but Xander's like all for it and this is something I'm going to bring up again later this episode Xander is all for parading the charade in front of Cordelia and Oz like Willow starts to feel guilt in this episode more than before Xander doesn't have any of that because he's a psychopath <laughs> so this is when Buffy approaches and she looks devastated and y'all want to look at her SAT scores. So Xander says, by the look on your face, I'm guessing you and I are going to be manning the drive through window side by side. Like that's a bad thing, right? And Buffy is saying that they're just test scores, right? They don't really mean anything as Willow. And Willow looks at the number and says, Buffy, 1430, you kicked ass. So now that we know, 1430 is actually a remarkable... Is it is it really high? Like, that must be a really It's out good, of 1600. I, like, I don't know... It must be good. You know, I think it really just depends on where you want to go to college, right? Like, some colleges, they only accept... I'm sure some colleges, you have to get, like, really, really close to 1600. Or your parents have to have a lot of money and, and pay for a building or pay for you to pretend to be on a sports team yes yes interesting so i i like to believe and our american listeners can come and correct us but i like to believe that that's a really good number and uh i love that buffy did well because buffy for seasons one especially was so insecure about her intelligence in school and her Mm -hmm. ability to keep up with school so this is nice validation for our hero that you know what she studied, she tried, and also she's turning her life around. Also, good job for Giles bringing extra pencils on their slaying slash study <laughs> sessions. And this is just right? the culmination of something we've seen this entire season, which is she came back to school, and she's been doubling down on like I am going to do well in my school life as much as my Slayer life, and it's paying off. This whole yeah. episode is about her realizing she has a future like last season was her coming to term with being the slayer for whatever that would mean this season is her kind of realizing like i could have more than that i could be more than that and i have the brains for it and the ability to do it i'm literally so happy for her and um the fact that she spent so long the last couple seasons despairing like she said it in band candy right like i might be dead before i go to college like this is a huge fear of hers and a reality Mm -hmm. so no wonder she's in shock. She's like, I might get out of here. I might live to see my 19th birthday. Like, this is a big deal. And I also want to give a little shout out to Giles and Joyce, who, yes, have been very controlling and scheduling her, obviously not needlessly, but like they've been very controlling since she got back. And I think that also helped contribute to Buffy focusing in and helping her, you know, get her schooling under order. So good job, everybody. Team Buffy all the way. <laughs> 
Oz says with scores like that, you can apply anywhere you want. And Willow does say like this could change your whole future. And like we just talked about, Buffy said, I never really thought about it. I wasn't sure I was going to have one. And Cordelia jumps in and says, this is great. Now you can leave and never come back. (laughs) And she meant it as a positive, of course. She just means get out of Sunnydale. That's a good thing. And then she says, what kind of person would ever want to come here? That's when we see the Sunnydale sign (laughs) and a car crashes right into it. And we're getting deja vu. And who falls out of the front seat? Except this time, it's not a confident swagger. I'm here. The show's about me kind of opening. It is a sad, pathetic, drunken tumble out of the front seat onto the ground and from the asphalt spike turns to the camera and says home sweet home (laughs) and cut to credits (laughs) i love it like i love that they care enough about the show and its continuity and the fans to give us this scene right where it's like they're recreating spike's original arrival in sunnydale but like you just Mm -hmm. pointed out there's a contrast because when he first showed up he's confident he's taken charge he's here to kill the slayer now he's in pieces what's going on spike (laughs) i know and we so we cut to him wandering that burnt down factory that giles burnt down in season two passion and he's singing uh my way which i think is a frank sinatra song i could be wrong and he's trashed. Like, he is wasted. And he's shouting, Drusilla, I'm home. And he's laughing and he's crying at the same time. And he goes to the basement where all her burnt up dolls were. And he's, he, you know, he's talking to them. He's like, why did you do it, baby? Why did you leave me? We were happy here. And then he vamps out and he rages and he starts smashing the dolls, shouting, you stupid, worthless bitch. Look what you've done to me. So Spike got dumped. So Spike is going through a breakup and he is volatile and unpredictable. He has always been unpredictable, but now it's his mood swings that are super unpredictable. Mm -hmm. One second, he's mopey and sad and singing. Split second later, he's violent and he's, you know, lashing out. So this is going to be a really interesting episode for him. Cut to Xander, who is coaxing Cordy to go on this double date. And, like, this is what I mean. Xander, like, why are you so gung-ho to go on this double date? He's like, it'll be fun. Well, and that's what bothers me is if Cordy doesn't want to go, she doesn't want to go. So you don't go on a double date. You tell Oz, nice idea, Cordy doesn't want to go. But he's so concerned. He's so concerned about putting on appearances. And it's just like, dude, Cordy doesn't want to go. Well, Cordy says, like, I thought we were going to do something classy. And Xander's like, classier than what's classier than bowling? <laughs> and Cordelia says, apart from everything ever. <laughs> and I have to agree with her. Xander guarantees fun, is what he's saying. And, like, again, like, uh, just let it go. You don't have to hang out with Willow and Oz. And then that's when he notices that Cordy has a collage of pictures of her and Xander at the pier on a date in her locker. Like she printed out images of the two of them and has them displayed in her locker. And he's shocked and he's saying, there's pictures of me (laughs) in your locker. And I didn't know I was locker door material. And Cordy, of course, like senses a little vulnerability here, right? She's like, oh, I'm displaying my feelings right now. So she says, well, just barely. 
and then says, I looked really cute in those pictures. But like, this is a big step for Cordelia to mm-hmm. publicly display her affection for this guy. So they walk into Oz and Willow and they all are like, yep, we're double dating. We're going on this bowling date. It's going to be great. And Willow is really excited, or maybe she's overcompensating here too. But Willow's like, oh, I, I'm so good at bowling. Or it used to be when it, they had the inflatable things in the gutters. And Oz presents Willow with this impromptu so gift. I think she is overcompensating because what she does is she's like, she's latching onto Oz's arm and she's like, Oz is on my team, right? Like she's claiming him. Yes. As if she has mm-hmm. to reassure herself that she wants to bowl with Oz and not Xander. And just like, Lies. like, it's supposed to be cute. Like, if we didn't know what was going on, it would be very cute. But yeah, it's if, lies. If there weren't shady shadesters in this scene, we, it would be very cute. But we know it's not. And that's why when Oz gives her this impromptu gift out of nowhere, and she's just like, what's the occasion? He says, pretty much you are. It just breaks my heart because I'm like, Oz is so sweet to her. So she opens up this present and it's a little Pez witch, which is a candy dispenser. And Oz says, it's a theme present. Do you like it? And Willow is like, again, kind of over the top here. Like Willow's quirky and she's got like this little kid way of talking. But in this scene, it's like very on display where she's like, oh, I like it. I like it. (laughs) it's like um you know now i gotta find a little werewolf pez so the pez witch can have a boyfriend and this is so thoughtful and oz is saying i think about you (laughs) god and willow says well i don't have anything to give you and he says yeah you do and walks away so in my notes willow feeling like trash yeah in my notes i wrote down in all caps oz must be protected at all costs I would die for that man. Right? Like, I would take a bullet for him. I'd dive in front of him. Like, he's just so lovely. He's giving Willow everything. He, you know, he's... Because this is the thing is, he's not being needy, right? Like, he's like, here's a gift for you, right? Let's go bowling. Like, he's not clinging to her. He clearly gives her space because she can sneak away from him and do hanky-panky with Xander. Um... (laughs) So, so that's what I like about Oz. We, he's a regular in this season. We still haven't seen him that much. But yeah. it's because he's supportive of Willow. I can't say enough nice things about this person. I think the <sighs> fact that he was probably getting himself like a guitar pick or he was picking up a, a can of Coke or something. And then he saw the Pezwitch and thought of his girlfriend and was like, this is perfect for her. Like, this is good for her. Like, she's sweet. She's a witch. Yeah. Like, it, it's so subtle, and the right we know what the writers are doing here with Cordy putting these pictures up, with Oz giving mm-hmm. her this really sweet and thoughtful gift. Like we know, you know, the things They're are just too good. They're just reinforcing how Cordy and Xander and Oz and Willow are going to be happy with each other for the rest of the series, right? Absolutely, yes, good. yeah. So okay. let's leave Willow feeling like trash right here, and let's go to the library because Giles is packing for some sort of retreat, and he's marveling at Buffy's SAT scores, and Buffy is noticing all the equipment that I don't know why Giles thought it was a good idea to lug all the equipment into the library. I guess he was doing inventory. I don't know. Um, and Buffy says, asks him if if the retreat is in the Yukon, <laughs> and I had to point that out because. This is the second episode of the season where Buffy has mentioned a Canadian province or territory. So maybe Buffy's thinking of going to the University of Toronto. She's got to slay those Canadian vampires, eh? <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be so cool if the next Buffy 
series, the reboot, were set in Vancouver or something. <laughs> How cool. How cool. Um, so the retreat is at the clearing at the top of Breaker's Woods, obviously. They're very vague on what this retreat is for. Like, is it a sex thing? Is Giles going to a sex retreat? Oh, absolutely. Retreat? Giles mumbles something about the site having fascinating druidic rituals. Oh, he's totally an and orgy. I was like, what kind of rituals are you partaking in, Giles? <laughs> Absolutely, it's an orgy. It's a, it's a <laughs> swingers retreat. And he's going for a few days. And Giles asks about Buffy's mom. I wonder why he's... Is Joyce on your mind, Giles? <laughs> That's why he's going on the sex retreat. He's trying to clear that out of his system. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, man, all that band candy is still in my system. I need to go up to the woods where all the band candy's hidden oh my god that's what he's doing oh my god we wow. solved we, it we, we got there we figured it out we're really on it tonight we're really we're really killing it so uh buffy says uh that her mom's head almost spun around and exploded when she saw the scores and Giles is like, I've been on the Hellmouth for too long. That was metaphorically, right? <laughs> and she's like, Yeah. And Buffy says that um, her, her mom was happy and she started with this crazy talk about her going to college or maybe someplace else. And she says, You know, she told her, Giles won't like it. I have responsibilities. I know the whole drill. And Giles actually agrees with Buffy's mom. And Buffy says, be kind, rewind, <laughs> because <laughs> this is the 90s. And um, Giles says, with scores like this, Buffy, you could have a first-rate education. And I'm not saying you should ignore your calling, but you should look to your future. With faith here, maybe you could move on for a time, at least. Let's discuss it when, when I get back. In the meantime, continue training when I'm gone, and don't do anything rash. So, pausing here for a second, I really love that Giles... I can see, like, Anthony Stewart has really selling this shit because I think Giles looks relieved almost. Almost like, oh, my God, like, my daughter might actually live yeah. to have an education he, and a he's life. He's being really supportive, and I like it. Yes, it's so wonderful. But, yeah, let's get to the most interesting thing that he brought up, which is, are you planning on seeing Angel? And this is a funny question of his because it was only an episode ago where he found out Angel was alive and he was really pissed about it. It appears that they've gotten over that already. Like yeah. That's not going to drag out much longer, obviously. And Buffy says, yes, I am, but there's not going to be any rash anywhere. <laughs> I just got that now. And then she says, she says, we're friends. That's all either, either of us wants. Nothing's going to happen. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, just friends. Because just friends do naked Tai Chi together and make out once in a while and lust after each other all the time and bring each other dinner I, I don't know what type of friends you have, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> I want the friends that Giles has that he's going on this retreat with. So we cut back to Willow and Xander in the quad. So it's still the same day at school. And Ugh. Willow is not on board with this double date at bowling. She's saying this is a mistake, a terrible, fatal mistake. It's bad bowling. Um, mm. And, and she's like, they're going to know. She's like, it's a very intimate situation. All sexy and smoke and sweating and shoe renting. 
And can we just pause for a moment at how, like, it's so adorable. Like, I know we're mad at Willow. I agree. But it is adorable that she thinks bowling is sexy. Like, I love (laughs) bowling. Bowling is one of my favorite group activities because I'm not terrible at it. And even if you do suck at it, you can still have a good time. But I would not describe bowling as sexy. And I'm with Xander when he's like, do you find shoe rental sexy? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it it's it's definitely fun. It's not sexy or classy as Cordelia said. It's just yeah. it's just like a you know a dirty good time, and yeah. So I do agree. I think it's funny that Willow would think of this as an intimate situation. So, but it's only is she saying that it's sexy because Xander's there? Like, bleh, you know? No, I think Willow just has a very skewed idea of what's sexy because she barely you know gets to go anywhere. Like, remember their idea of a nightlife is is, is the bronze true which is sexier than bowling that's for sure <laughs> that that's also true um so yeah xander's like how are they going to know uh all they know is that we're friends we're old friends maybe we've had one or two indiscretions but that's all in the past we're just very good friends uh and then he's like can i kiss your earlobe and he like works it into uh. what he's saying and willow says no but okay again very like all in the moment so he leans in and i could see the face you're making right now, Steph, um, that's the face I was making when I was watching the episode, because at this point, I'm just like, you want to get caught. Like, you have no self-control here. Um, also, caressing each other in public. Yeah. Like, the fact that Willow was like, no, and then she's like, okay, like, why? What? What is it about right. Xander? Is he that attractive that you're willing to just let him kiss your earlobe in front of everybody? More importantly, what is it with these two in earlobes? Because in Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, remember Willow was sucking on his earlobe? No, I don't. I don't. In that I don't, episode, I don't pay attention. You blocked, blocked it out of your memory. I hope, but I remember because it was the cringiest thing I've ever seen in my goddamn life. And then now, <laughs> like Xander's like, I'm gonna suck on your earlobe. I was like, what is this? This is so weird and inappropriate. And again, yeah, like we're the the problem here is that they're having a lover's spat, and Xander's caressing Willow's hair. Yeah. In public. And he's like, on yeah. campus. Bowling maybe too much to handle. And he says he says something like, "I wish I wasn't so attracted to you." And again, like vomit all over myself right now because, <laughs> like, this is just. So I'm having a hard time here because I understand that these kinds of indiscretions, the, the this infidelity, the che- you know the cheating, this happens in teenage relationships. I mean, it happens at any at any age, but with teenagers in particular, right? You, you combine the hormones, the poor impulse control, the lack of experience with relationships. It's a perfect storm for this kind of thing. So I get it, and I understand what the writers are trying to do here. But mm-hmm. I think you were right when you said cringy. Like, it's just the dialogue and the way they're doing it. I'm just like... I have to uh, ask myself, I don't think the writers meant for us to like this at all. It's like they're going mm, out of their way okay. to make us hate it. But I don't know the reason why. It's like, okay, it's been four-ish episodes of this now. There's no way they thought the audience would like this. Obviously, they want us to be yeah, I agree on with you on Cordelia that. and Oz's side, right? Yes, I because agree. Because I don't with know you. why they're doing this. Like, why are you? Why do you want us to despise these two right now and be grossed out? Is it is it a timing thing? The way I see it, the way I put it together in my mind, is that they're making a point that. Life and relationships are all about timing. Willow and Xander's time should have been season two, but they missed it. And now they're trying to do it now 
And it's not going to work out for them because they've already committed themselves to other characters. So that's what I think they're trying to do. I, they, I don't think we're supposed to like this. I hope we're not supposed to like this because I despise it. Th- that's a really good point. I agree. Yeah. So Fortunately, they let us off the hook at that point. So we cut to Joyce and Buffy at home. And uh, they're talking about universities, talking about colleges. Nice. I've never heard of Carnegie Mellon, but I've heard of Brown University. And that's where Joyce wants Buffy to go. And Buffy wants to talk about it later. She wants to blow it all off. She says, it's it's all day. It's been congratulations. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> so Carnegie Mellon and Brown are both on the East Coast. Oh. So Joyce is trying to get Buffy as far away from the Hellmouth as possible. I love it. Good for Joyce, honestly. Uh, maybe that's what my parents were trying to do because there was <laughs> no question in my mind growing up that I would like I was going to go away for university. It was always pushed on me that I was not staying in Thunder Bay. Uh, so there must have been a hell mouth there and my parents also didn't want me. That's definitely <laughs> not because they wanted me out of the house. So <laughs> Joyce is saying, you belong at a good old-fashioned college with keg parties and boys, not hell mouths and vampires. And Buffy says, I can't see the distinction. <laughs> And Joyce says, you're always talking about how you wish you could lead a more normal life. True, Joyce, you're listening to her. I love this. And Joyce says, this is your chance. And Buffy says, it's not that simple because I have responsibilities. And Joyce also brings up that faith is there, that she can take over those responsibilities. And she's like, it's time to think about your future, Buffy, about your whole life. Honestly, is there anything keeping you here? And of course, (laughs) that's when we cut to Angel, Angel the Vampire. And he's reading a book by the fire and he's looking handsome. And he is 100% keeping me here. So I have to just compliment the directors and directors of photography and stuff for these episodes, Steph, because there's no way this is accidental, right? Like they are clearly creating thirst trap shots of David Boyanis <laughs> for people like you. And they're succeeding. Yeah. And I, I also want to compliment Angel on coming to back to Earth naked and acquiring this really wonderful wardrobe that is like Earth tones <laughs> and like super sexy on him. He looks like a model. And he has this like awesome long coat later. Anyway, I just, you guys know that I love him. And who doesn't love Angel? It's Spike. And Spike is watching him outside. <laughs> and he's mocking him. And I don't know how Angel didn't hear him out there. I really don't. Because he's like screaming. I would love to think that Angel did and just didn't care. <laughs> he doesn't give a shit that Spike is there. Why would he? And Spike is watching Angel and just kind of saying, yeah, you you think I'm afraid of you because <laughs> he's drunk. And he's like, we were happy. You brainwashed her. And he's drinking straight out of a bottle and he drops the bottle and he's like, I'll show you as the cool guy. You're going down. And then he trips, he falls and he passes out. And we cut to the next morning. The sun's coming up. Spike's still outside, passed out. And the sunlight hits his hand and it catches on fire. <laughs> and this is what I mean. Like, Spike is such a good comedic act like james marsters does such a good comedic job in this scene because he starts screaming and his hands on fire and he's running up the stairs yeah he so first he runs up the stairs to this piddly little water fountain feature that's (laughs) like tiny amounts of water are coming out of the wall he sticks his hand under there that doesn't help then he has he realizes he could just plunge his hand into the basin of water that the fountain's flowing into that kind of helps although it's obviously painful then he stumbles down the stairs into his car, uh, into the backseat of his car, 
pulls the door shut because um, he's got like his coat pulled up around him and stuff. Everything's in sunlight now. And and he grabs a bottle of alcohol uh, and is like pouring it on his maimed hand. And yeah, it's it's the sequence of events. It's it's a slapstick comedy where it's just him. And yeah. again, it's all about the physical gags in this part of the episode, which I love. And, and I love that the writers aren't afraid to make Spike comical. Because sometimes when you go that route with a villain, you completely undermine them as a villain. And yeah. we can have a, a discussion about when Spike's villainous tendencies are undermined uh, later on in the series, I think. But for this episode, I, like he's still a villain. Like what he ends up doing in a few scenes here with Willow and Xander and stuff, that's bad guy stuff. And, and they are yes. in danger. So I, I think they, they walk the line very well here. And like you said, that's in large part James Marster's acting ability where we're laughing mm -hmm. at Spike but we're still a little bit afraid of him. That's a good feat. It's not easy to switch from being so funny to intimidating and scary all in one. And he, in later in a scene coming up, he does that so well. And it's because it's just he flip flops between the two, and you don't know what he's gonna do. You don't know what he's gonna be like two seconds from now. And I think that's really endearing to watch. So cut to the a magic shop where Spike has snuck in the back and he's looking for a curse. And there's a nice, polite little shopkeeper there, and she's trying to help him. And he's saying, "Boils, I want to give him boils all over his face, dripping." pustules let's really go for the gusto <laughs> and the shopkeeper is like i'm hearing a lot of negative energy <laughs> and spike says leprosy a spell that makes parts fall off that seems proper <laughs> so spike wants to curse angel but angel already has a curse spike <laughs> try something new and that's when willow comes in and the shopkeep gladly goes to help her and willow has this list of ingredients and the shopkeeper is like oh these look like it's for a love spell want that old love to come back to you <laughs> and willow says that this is more of an anti-love spell a de-lusting and the ingredients are basically the same right and the shopkeep is saying you know raven feathers tend to breathe more discontent than canaries and she's like giving her tips <laughs> and spike is listening he's dropping some eaves behind the shelves and he's getting an awful idea in his head it's forming light bulb <laughs> Willow says, okay, Willow pays $15.80 for these ingredients. And I was like, I can't tell if that's expensive or cheap. Well, it was 20 years ago, Steph. So remember, everything was cheaper yeah. back then. Like inflation these days, that would run you at least $40. <laughs> I was like, how much are feathers these days? So the shopkeep returns to Spike after Willow leaves and he immediately attacks her in his vamp face. And I was like, oh, this is so sad. She was so nice. And he feeds off her and then he drops her body and he says, I just got a better idea. So we do a quick little intermission to the town hall where the mayor is putting in his office and he misses the hole <laughs> you know what you call it like the little hole thing and he's saying it's not the carpet it's me i swear i would sell my soul for a decent short game <laughs> like he's saying you know dad stuff and of course he says it's a little late for that Ooh. and there's that nervous man i don't think we've caught his name alan. yet, but there's like alan yeah so his name's alan Alan looks really alarmed and like we know when we first met Alan that he's nervous around the mayor. He's probably scared of him. 
the mayor looks at him and says, I don't suppose I could offer your soul, huh? Really help me on the green. And Alan's like, oh my God. And the mayor's like, I'm just funning. So we have a spike problem, do we? And Alan says that Spike was spotted back in town and there was an incident at a magic shop in broad daylight and police had a hell of a time covering it up. And the mayor says that, oh, that Spike, you know, he was up to all sorts of shenanigans last year and we had a world of fun trying to figure out what he'd do next. But I guess we're past that now. This year's too important to let a loose cannon rock the boat. So I really love that they're calling back to this because the mayor is obviously the villain of season three or he's some sort of he's involved with season three and we've only heard about him in season two. But it's nice to hear that he was keeping tabs, that he was part of the action last year, but he was just choosing to stay out of it. But he was keeping watch over what was going on. Yeah, well, they're having to explain why are we focusing on the mayor now? Right. Why didn't the mayor get involved before? Why is he getting involved now? So what we're hearing so far is something is happening this year, something supernatural, something to have to do with his soul and his deals and stuff. Something is coming to a culmination. We don't know what yet. And that makes everything very important this year. And last year he was content to like, you know, let Spike and Angelus and whoever just do whatever they want. But this year, he's locking down that control, right? He's like, the only evil that happens in this town this year is my evil. And I like <laughs> yeah. it. Again, yeah. I, I just, I think the mayor has a really good handle. on Like, he's got a plan, and he's executing that plan. Um, mm-hmm. And he's doing a much better job at it than the master so far, so. Yes, I agree. And the mayor says... Yeah, why don't you take care of that spike problem? Alan says he's going to send a committee to take care of it. And he's like, yeah, you go do that. Alan's just like, it's as good as done. And he leaves and the mayor keeps putting. So we cut to the mansion, the sexy mansion with the sexy fireplace. (laughs) And Buffy's there and she's got all her college books and she's telling Angel about her intense preposition. And he asks her where she wants to go. And Buffy says, I have no idea. My mom is so excited. She can't stop talking about it. I had a really hard time coming up with an alibi so I could come over here. And Angel says, oh, she doesn't know about me. And Buffy says, big no. She's having enough trouble dealing with the slaying issue. I don't think she's ready to process the information that you and I are friends again. (laughs) Friends, Buffy? And Buffy thinks that this college idea that her mother has is just a reaction to the whole Slayer thing. Angel agrees. She's like, she wants you to get out. And Buffy says, someplace a little less hellmouthy, and she has a point. There are reasons to stay, too. And Angel's like, well, what are they? And Buffy says, her slayer duties, but what do you think I should do? Buffy is playing a very interesting game here, because Buffy Mm. is actually sussing out what Angel thinks about her. Whether or not Angel's going to ask her to stay. But... Why does Angel need her to stay? Because he could go anywhere. He could go with her to wherever she's going to college. So yeah, I don't, I don't get that part. I don't get it either. But I think it's like the whole like Buffy's still young and she just kind of wants him to be like, no, don't leave me. Right. And like, because that's that's their vibe of their relationship. And Angel says, hey, as a friend, I think that you should leave. This is a really good opportunity for you. And when he's saying this, he's not facing her, though. He's facing the fireplace because his heart's probably breaking while he says it. And that hurts Buffy's feelings. And that's why I think Buffy wants him to say, stay, even though it's true. Buffy, like, Angel could go wherever she goes. But Angel's trying to be a good friend to her. And we know that Angel loves her. Like, we know that. And he's trying. he's being very selfless here. 
he's like, yeah, you should leave. That's what's best for you. Like everyone, it's very clear to me that you ha- can have a better life away from the Hellmouth too. So Buffy gets sad and she starts packing up her stuff and she's just like, yeah, not like there's anything keeping me here and thanks for the advice. It's another perspective to consider. And Angel's like, well, where are you going? You just got here and it's early. And Buffy says her mom starts worrying a lot earlier these days, so I'll stop by soon and she goes. <laughs> it's not the lovey-dovey kind of scene that I like to see Angel and Buffy in, but I think it was just a really nice move for Angel to say that. And it's a, it's a real scene, right? Like, we've had a lot yeah. of intense lust-driven scenes and this this is a scene that people have you know in their relationships all the time and we're Mm -hmm. seeing Buffy navigate these more sort of grown-up relationship arcs and and it's interesting I like it a lot and I that's what I mean like when Angel says yeah go it's the best opportunity for you but Buffy's still caught up in last year where she's like stay like you know it's me and you forever so Willow and Xander are at the lab at the high school. It's nighttime. And Willow is telling Xander that she's doing chemistry stuff. And it's like an experiment. And Xander asks why he has to be there. And Willow says, it'll help you with your exam that you're behind on. And Xander says, but that's why you love me, right? Academically dangerous. (laughs) Oh, my God. And Willow hands him a feather. Ugh, he says. Uh, and who will I be tickling this with? God damn it, Xander. You know that the proper way of phrasing that is whom will I be tickling? <laughs> That's the what problem with this. Boy. Yeah, what a fucking disgrace. So he starts to tickle her and she likes it because she's immature. And then she shushes him and stops him. And she keeps working on this potion she's making. And Xander says, won't this make us late for an evening of bowling magic? And Willow's like, there's no magic, <laughs> like obviously, automatically. And she says, Oz and Cordelia will meet them at the lab later. And that's when Xander sees the spell book on the table. And Willow's like, it's just for chemistry. But Xander finally clues in and he's like, you're doing a love spell. This is love spell stuff. <laughs> and Willow says, no, of course not. This is purely scientific de-lusting spell for us. And she thought it would be better if he didn't know. Now, this is really interesting. And dare I say it? Dare I say that this is the only scene where I was like siding with Xander? I was like, Xander is yeah. outraged at this because Xander possibly learned something from Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered that you should not play around with black magic just to change people's emotions. Well, it all goes back to consent, right? Like, as much as Willow might feel terrible about her attraction to Xander and and want to do something about it using magic. If if this spell is going to affect how Xander feels, he should know about it and he should have to give his informed consent. And if you don't obtain that from him, then that's not good. Yeah. And it's actually quite shocking that Willow is going to manipulate this relationship and his feelings with magic. Like that she's leaning into magic before she can just stop making out with him. Instead of just stop touching him and stop touching each other in public and stop being assholes, she thinks magic is going to solve this problem. And this is really interesting. Xander says, like, are you nuts? Did you forget that I have bad luck with these sorts of spells? And I, again, I think that's really fair for him to say that. And Willow says, you wish that these feelings would just go away. And Xander says, yeah, I wish for a lot of things. Like, I wish that I was a fireman in sixth grade. And... 
Willow th- says that she can't do this anymore. This whole us thing is blah. And I agree with her. But again, the fact that she jumps to like the only conclusion that we can do right now is black magic to make us stop feeling for each other. Willow, no, <laughs> like just stop touching him. There's other ways to go about this. And Xander is like, you you need to resort to the black arts to keep our hormones in check. And Willow starts getting pissy. And she's like, at this point, I'm thinking no. But again, like it just hurts my, it hurts my soul that Mm -hmm. I agree with Xander in this scene. But he's right. (laughs) Like he's saying what I'm saying, right? Like you don't need to resort to this. You heard it here, listeners. Stephanie Chow (laughs) is saying Xander Harris is right. He's a little bit right. (laughs) So... That's when Xander goes to turn on the lights and he's like, we need to clean this place up before the the others arrive and start asking questions. And that's when Spike comes out of nowhere, grabs Xander from behind. Thank God someone's here to stop this nonsense. And he grabs Xander from behind and says, I need to borrow this little, the little girl. You don't mind, do you? And he throws Xander and punches him in the face. (laughs) And Xander gets knocked out. And unlike Giles, I don't care. Yeah. He gets knocked out very violently because Willow had tried to hit Spike on the head with a microscope, but instead Spike takes the microscope from Willow and bashes Xander really violently over the head with it. Like it, it could have killed him, yeah. but I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure didn't Cordelia, no, didn't Willow already bash Xander over the head with a microscope and bad eggs? <laughs> like Xander has zero luck in this Again, I'm not lab. paying as much attention to Xander's head trauma as I am to Giles. I just, I gotta be honest. So Xander is unconscious and they're in the factory and spike is has will in the basement and he's saying that you're going to do a love spell for me and he's basically like muttering to himself he's like i'm gonna get what's mine what's mine i'm gonna teach her to walk out on me and he's like you can do it right you can make drew love me again make her crawl And Willow says, I can try. And Spike grabs her violently by the hair. And he says, what are you talking about? Try. You'll do it. And Willow says, yeah, I'll do it because she's terrified. And I think when Spike appears to be very threatening and a villain, as we were saying earlier, it's because of the way that Willow or um, Allison Hannigan is really selling her fear here. Right? Like, I really believe that Willow's terrified in these moments. And Spike breaks a bottle and shoves the broken piece in her face and says, lie to me and I'll shove this through your face, right through your brain. And Willow's crying and she's terrified and she's like, no, please, no. And Spike then just gets really sad because, again, he's hella unstable this episode. And he says, she wouldn't even kill me. (laughs) He goes and sits next to Willow, who's super confused. And he's like, she just left. She didn't even care enough to cut off my head or set me on fire. (laughs) I mean, is that too much to ask? Some little sign that she cared. And then he tells Willow, it was that truce with Buffy that did it. Drew said I'd gone soft. Wasn't demon enough for the likes of her. And I told her it didn't mean anything. I was thinking of her the whole time. So, okay. First off, I think Drew has a point. He has gone a little soft. I think he's probably always been a little soft, Spike is a romantic guy he has these big these big ideas you know these big feelings but i also think spike's being honest here about how he was thinking about drew because if we think back to becoming everything was about drew it was i will team up with you but we spare drew and then when the fighting started he grabbed drew and kidnapped her and i'm not forgiving him for that right but like he was all about drew like that was his priority so yes 
you know, Spike's being honest. I I, I like the confessional tone and I like how, mm-hmm. you know, Spike is almost 200 years old, right? And he's talking to a 17-year-old girl about his problems. <laughs> and I like that, like, um, just in the way that he says, like, I was thinking of drew the whole time it didn't mean anything it's like the parallel there is with the, it's almost like he cheated on drew but like it's just funny how the vampire metaphor and the vampire supernatural element of it, it he's actually saying yeah like i betrayed her by making a truce for like you know life and death reasons that's what people say when they cheat right like it didn't mean anything as a one-time thing i was thinking about you you know what i mean so this goes on throughout the scene and i think it's so enjoyable to listen to and Spike is just saying, we got to Brazil and Drusilla was different and I gave her everything. I gave her beautiful jewels, beautiful dresses with beautiful girls in it and nothing made her happy. And then she would flirt. (laughs) He says, I caught her on a park bench with a chaos demon. Have you ever seen a chaos demon? They're all slime and antlers. They're disgusting. (laughs) So clearly Drusilla cheated on Spike and that hurt him too. And Spike touches Willow's hair. And he says, she only did it to hurt me. So I said, I'm not putting up with this anymore. And she said, fine. And I said, yeah, I've got an unlife to live, you know? <laughs> and she said, we can still be friends. Oh, no. I know. And Spike starts to cry. <laughs> and he's like, God, I'm so unhappy. And I love, you're right. Like, I love that Spike is unpacking his breakup with this girl. He's having girl talk with Willow right now. He's like, I need to unload this on somebody. Willow, do the emotional labor for me because <laughs> I'm miserable. And Willow's just like, they're there. <laughs> well, and I Spike's just, crying on yeah, I love the combination of Spike and Willow. And this is not the last time that we see Spike and Willow together in a scene like this. And, and when it comes back mm-hmm. later on, and I won't say when, um, it, it's just, it's lovely. There's something about Spike being vulnerable to Willow, who's usually the vulnerable one. And she's, mm-hmm. she like, she just clearly has no idea how to console him. She's just out of her depth here because he <laughs> is an terrified. evil soul. Yeah, exactly. He's a soulless vampire. He should be yeah. threatening her right now, but instead he's being vulnerable and it's just fucking around with her mind. <laughs> she's like, what do I do? And what do people do when they're vulnerable and they're getting somebody to lean on? Uh, in our world, in the real world, you might end up sleeping with them, right? For comfort. And But it, because Spike's a vampire, it becomes about biting and about blood, right? So Spike starts to like smell Willow's neck and he's like, your neck. And then he has his vampire face on and he says, I haven't had a woman in weeks. When I think in the normal world, it would have been, I haven't slept with anybody in weeks, right? And Spike says, unless you count that shopkeeper. So I just really love that dynamic. So Willow stands up and she's like, hold on and she's crying and she's like i'll do your spell for you and i'll get you drusilla back and but there will be no bottle and face and no having of any kind with me all right and spike's just like right get started so willow tells him i'm not a real witch and i don't know if this is gonna work right away and spike says well at first you don't succeed i'll kill him and he's pointing at xander and then you try again so Willow says that the ingredients he brought aren't enough. There's a spell book she needs as well. And Spike says, okay, where's the spell book? Is it at home? And Willow says, it's not at home. I left it somewhere. And Spike asks, where? Where indeed? So we cut to the library where Buffy is jump roping. 
skipping rope. What <laughs> I don't know what the she's training. She's training. Like, I think she's upset and she's working it off because Angel doesn't want her to stay. He wants her to go, even though it's for her, her own good, you know. And Oz and Cordy run in and they're like, something's up. And they bring her to the lab where there has clearly been a disturbance. And Buffy is looking at all the weird science that, that was going on. And Cordy says, is Willow messing with her magic tricks again? Maybe they disappeared. Maybe she turned Xander into something ishy. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I wonder if she's thinking back to go fish. So, well, <laughs> and, and honestly, like... This is a reasonable hypothesis, right? Because we have seen what happened when Amy abused magic last season. We saw mm. Buffy turn into a mouse and we saw the chaos of, of everybody falling in love with Sander. So Cordy's not out there to be positing this. So good for you, Cordy. Like, that's a reasonable hypothesis. I agree. And Buffy says, like, whatever happened, there was obviously a fight. And Oz points out there was no blood. And I was like, there should be blood because Xander was profusely bleeding from his head. But... Buffy's guessing. She's like, well, maybe they were taken. Maybe they ran. And Cordelia's like, there's too many oars. Pick one. Because <laughs> she's panicking. And Buffy says that they, they need to find Giles. They need to interrupt Giles on his orgy retreat. And Oz is like, I, I know that spot. <laughs> Oz, why do you know that spot? And he says it's a 45-minute drive away. And Buffy's like, well, motor it. And when Buffy goes back to the library to get to the weapons in the cage, the phone is ringing and she answers it. And of course, it's Joyce. And Joyce is saying that, hey, like, I want to schedule a college talk later tonight when you're home. I overreacted before. You don't have to go across the country. I picked up brochures from schools that are nearby. And Buffy's trying to cut her mom off. And she's like, it's not a great time, mom. And then she hears Spike's voice behind Joyce. And we see Joyce. And sure enough, Spike's behind her. And he's like, hello, Joyce. And Buffy drops the phone and runs out. Don't you find it fascinating that Willow sent Spike to Buffy's house? Yeah, so I was a little bit weird. confused by what was going on in this part because mm -hmm. when Willow initially says, oh, I need more ingredients and I need a book, I was wondering, was she just sending him away so that she could find a time, like a, a way to escape with Xander, right? Um, yeah. by By herself time. But yeah, like why, like why would he send her to, I, I, I guess maybe she thinks Buffy's there and she's like, I'm going to send you right into Buffy's arms. Um, but that does seem like you're putting Joyce in danger. Like maybe Willow's just not thinking clearly. I'm willing to cut her a little slack. She's under a lot of pressure right now. But yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't sure what to make of what she did there. I think there's two questions. Like, yeah, one, is she not worried about Joyce or does she think that Buffy's going to be home? And But like the second part of this is that why would Spike agree to go to Buffy's house? Like that sounds like the opposite place of where he'd want to go. But right, whatever. I'm I think glad partly he went. Spike probably <laughs> just wants to see Buffy, right? Like it's that self-destructive impulse. Uh, he has unfinished business with her. Or we, Joyce. We, actually, we find we find out that he wants to see Joyce. Right? So <laughs> we, we, are, we are at Buffy's house. And, and so just a, as a quick reminder, because it has been a while, right? Spike was invited into Buffy's house because he and Buffy had an alliance at the end of season two. And they disinvited Angel using a spell from Buffy's house. But Spike can come in without any invitation. And as far as Joyce is aware at this point, Joyce doesn't know Angel's back. So she thinks Angel's evil, but gone. She thinks Spike is quote unquote good. She knows he's a vampire, but last she saw him, he was helping her daughter out. We The scene starts with a, a shot of Joyce pouring uh, a hot drink. I don't remember what it was. You have hot chocolate in your notes, I think. 
Yeah. I thought it was tea. <laughs> um, it's hot maybe... chocolate because he asked for marshmallows later. Oh, right. Okay. Maybe I was like, maybe it's blood from the fridge. I don't know. Let's just heat it up like for <laughs> dinner in a bag. It's dinner in a bag. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, she's like, it's, it's great because it's all cozy. And it reminds us of the time when Joyce and Spike were sitting together awkwardly on the couch. Yeah. I love it. They're familiar. I love like yeah, yeah, earlier yeah. I said, I love Spike and Willow. I love Spike and Joyce too. I love Spike and anybody else who... Just isn't sure what to make of him because he's just so, yeah, you know, chaotic. And like this scene is so fucking enjoyable. This is my favorite scene of the whole episode. Yes, uh, because because of Joyce's misunderstanding of the situation, she cannot read it. But also, they didn't tell her enough, so she thinks that Spike is on their side. She thinks like for what I don't know if she thinks if she knows Spike's a vampire, she must. But I think she just thinks that Spike's okay. And then she doesn't know Angel's back and that he's sold. And there's just like a lot of things that Joyce doesn't know. And that's why this yeah, scene Yeah, it's works. the dramatic irony. Mm-hmm. So Spike is pouring his heart out to her. Because he just, Spike just wants to talk to everybody. And Spike just wants people to listen. And Joyce is happy to do that. So he's yeah. venting to her basically what we heard in the previous scene. The same <laughs> he's story. Like, I thought we were going to make up. And Joyce is like, they're there. You know, yes, that's very reasonable. <laughs> Poor you. She's like, she's, she's like that she sounds very unreasonable like such a mom thing to right? say right? and she's like she's trying to like tell him about her marriage and how it didn't work out with her <laughs> and buffy's dad hank yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. spike is like no our love was eternal literally because he and drew are both yeah. immortal creatures right this was different <laughs> then angel shows up and oh yes he, he sees spike this. and joy sitting together um, and he's like, his immediate reaction is must save Joyce, but he can't get in. So <laughs> jo- Joyce is startled because she knows, as as far as she knows, Spike is good, Angel's bad. We know it's the opposite. Yeah. And I love, yeah. this is my favorite part of the scene because Spike, sorry, Angel is like, let me in, Joyce. Trust me, let me in. And Spike is like, oh, no, he's bad. And then he's standing just behind Joyce and he's miming, biting Joyce's neck as he's saying that and i just again i fucking love james marster's physical comedy he's like he's so hilarious he sells it because he doesn't he's not self-conscious about it and i'm just i love spike as a villain i'm sorry i love him as a villain i love he's over the top evil and i love it well he's such a ham in this scene because yeah joyce is like get out of here and spike's like you're a very bad man (laughs) like he's saying stuff like that angel is so serious too right so like he's not really doing his best job of convincing joyce because he's just like joyce let me in he's all gravelly angel's violent he's like if you if you touch her i'll cut your head off right (laughs) and and joyce is saying get out of my house or i'll stake you myself and spike is like behind her and yeah he's mimicking biting her he's like pointing at her and laughing behind her back and that's when angel says joyce you can't trust him invite me in and that's when buffy comes in from the front door and throws spike against the counter and she says angel why don't you come on in so (laughs) they so this is where the height of joyce's confusion comes in because buffy is holding spike down angel's behind her and she's saying you shouldn't have come back spike and he says, I do what I please. And Buffy takes a wooden spoon. She's about to stake him. <laughs> and he's like, Willow. She And she's like, you took Willow? And she's like, yeah, you do me now. You'll never find the little witch. And oh of course, Joyce is like, yeah. Willow's a witch? 
And Xander says Buffy. And, and Joyce is like, Xander's also a witch. And it's just like, <laughs> like poor Joyce, yeah. right? She's in the middle of this scene and Buffy and Spike are having one conversation and she thinks she's yeah. having a different conversation. And it, it, it's just chaos. And again, I just, I love it's it. Chaos. You have to watch the episode if you haven't already. Spike is here to release truths and to open <laughs> up these secrets and lies that everyone's been telling. So now, this is the first one, right? Now Joyce knows all about Angel and that he's back. And Angel grabs Spike and says, where are they? And Spike says, it won't work like that, Peaches. And when did you become all soul having again? So he says, your friends are going to work a little magic for me. If she does my spell, I'll let them both go. And Buffy says, well, you're not famous for keeping your promises, Spike. AKA, Spike is already back in Sunnydale when he said he would never come back. So... Spike says, you get your great poof here. And I don't know what poof. It must be a British phrase for something. Uh, It's homophobic. It's homophobic. Oh, yeah. It's it's a British slang for a gay person who's like very effeminate. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, there you go, listeners. I didn't know. Um, I knew it was an insult. I just didn't know what it meant. And he says, um, if you guys want to tag along, that's fine. But if you get in my way, you kill your friends. And then they all leave. So I guess they have no choice. And then we cut to the van and Cordy is riding with Oz and she's spinning. She's like, they've been kidnapped by Colombian (laughs) drug lords and Xander's ears getting cut off right now or other parts. (laughs) What other parts does she care about? His (laughs) earlobes. Stop it. Oz stops the car because he's sniffing and he says, it's Willow. She's nearby. And Cordelia is like, you can smell her. (laughs) She doesn't even wear perfume. And Oz says she's afraid. And he starts to back up the the van. And Cordy is like, oh, my God, is this some sort of residual werewolf thing? This is very disturbing. (laughs) And Oz is like, I really agree. (laughs) I I do love Cordy and Oz together because Cordy has no tact and Oz doesn't care. Yeah, they're actually a really great duo. And you know what? They spend a lot of time together. Like, they're obviously friends because Cordelia does all the chatting and Oz does all the listening. Yeah, I I think, yeah, they they work well together. Oz will put up with Cordy just talking his ear off. Yeah. And Cordy doesn't mind. Oz is a good listener. (laughs) Exactly. So anyway, Oz can smell Willow. So they go off to find them, um, which will turn out great for everybody. And Spike is walking down the street toward the magic shop and Buffy and Angel are trailing him. And he's just like, I just need a few supplies. And then he stops and he's just like, (laughs) my head, I think I'm sobering up. It's horrible. Oh God, I wish I was dead. (laughs) And Buffy says, well, if you close your eyes and wish real hard and she has like her steak. (laughs) And... I really love the banter between Buffy and Spike in this episode. (laughs) And Angel stops her from killing him and says, we need him to find the others. And Buffy's like, need him? He's probably just locked them up in the factory. (laughs) And Spike is like, well, hey, how thick do you think I am? But it's so clear that that's exactly what he did. He's just like, oh, shit. (laughs) It's almost like they're humoring him at this point. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So Buffy's like, fine, let's just get this over with. And they continue on. But of course, Spike has to stop at the bus stop. And he's like, oh, God, we killed a homeless man here together. Me and Drew, all those good times. And he sits on it and he's like wallowing. And he's like, he begged for he begged for mercy. But, you know, that only made her bite harder. And they pan away and Angel and Buffy are watching him like so deeply unimpressed with this story. And Buffy just says so sarcastically, 
well, I guess you had to be there. <laughs> Buffy is not doing well, any emotional labor for this man. Her mother did it. Her best friend did it. She's not. <laughs> and again, I, I do. I love we've reached a point in this series where there's enough road behind us that we can have these callbacks. That's one of my favorite things about many series like this. But Buffy in particular does it very well. You know, Spike <laughs> has been around long enough that we can have his character show up like this and we can have these callbacks and it's hilarious and touching and, and it's fun, you know, and, yes, and I like that the so writers give that to us. So they get into the magic shop, which is roped off. And Spike is like, here's the ingredient list. And Buffy's going to split up all the ingredients so they can go find it. And... As she gives Spike the chore of finding the rat eyes, again, Spike is just like, I used to bring her rats with the morning paper. And Buffy snaps and she's like, great, more moping. That'll get her back. And Spike says, no, the spell's going to get her back. And Angel, who, let's not forget, has spent most of season two getting on Spike's nerves. He knows exactly where <laughs> to push his buttons. He says... Oh, a lot of trouble for somebody who doesn't even care about you. She really is just kind of fickle. And I was like, Angel, are you referring to the sex that you and Drusilla had in front of Spike last year? But you're also doing it in front of Buffy? Like, this is very bold of you. And Spike punches him. And Buffy throws Spike back. And Spike freaks out. He's like, what do you know? It's your fault. Both of you. She belongs with me. I'm nothing without her. And I want to point out here that the, the language that Spike uses around Drusilla, it goes back to what we saw last year. It goes back to like he held her like a rag doll when he mm. drove away with her in Becoming Part 2. You know, she's mine. She belongs to me. Like it's very possessive, his yeah. love for her. And it's it's this unhealthy kind of um, dependence on her where it's like, I'm nothing without her. Like he's defining himself through this relationship. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to sit in on a conversation with Spike and a therapist. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's not Willow, <laughs> who's terrified. So Buffy says, I agree that you're nothing without her. You're pathetic. You know that? You're not even a loser anymore. You're a shell of a loser. And Spike says, you're one to talk. And Buffy says, meaning? And okay, here's Spike calling it as it is. He says, last time I looked in on you two, you were fighting to the death. And now you're back making googly eyes at each other like nothing happened. Makes me want to heave. <laughs> <laughs> and Buffy's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Angel's like, yeah, we're just friends. And Spike's like, you're not friends. You'll never be friends. You'll be in love until it kills you both. You'll fight and you'll shag and you'll hate each other until it makes you quiver. But you'll never be friends. Love isn't brains, children. It's blood. Blood screaming inside you to work its will. I may be love's bitch, but at least I'm man enough to admit it. Oof. Ooh. I mean, props to Spike for being honest about his situation. <laughs> for knowing himself. Yep. And But isn't this just how it, it it is so much of the time, Steph, is it's the person you least want to hear from who tells you what you need to hear that you don't want to hear. Of course. Spike doesn't give a shit about their like, feelings. Spike is the only guy who can come in here and tell them this. Like if Giles said it, Buffy would just be like, no, Giles, it's fine. I got this under control. But if Spike's saying it, Buffy's got to be like, oh, God, I got to get my wife together. Spike is like, it's all bullshit you saying that you're friends because look at you two. And like you and I have been saying it, too. It's like you guys are so clearly in love with each other. What are you doing? <laughs> right? Like, what is this? I don't agree, though. I don't think like I think the fact that like Spike is saying love is 
blood and it's not brains and you just go with your gut and all that feeling. I think that's just his immaturity when it comes to love because it's a demon and he doesn't experience love the way that humans experience love. But I think love is both. It's brains and heart, right? And I think Angel, because he has a soul, he's expressing that in this episode a lot of, in a lot of ways. He loves Buffy. We know that. It's, all, it's written all over his face, all over his body language. But he used his brain and he said, you should go. This is your opportunity to leave and not be with me but I love you and I think this is what's best for you. And I think that's great. So as much as I like this speech from Spike, I don't quite agree with it. I think it's very much one-minded in the fact that he's a demon and that's how he thinks about the, that love has to be. So we cut to Willow, who's trying to break down the door. And Xander's waking up and she goes to sit next to him and he's really nauseous and dizzy. And Xander saying, where are we? And Willow says, we're locked in the basement in the factory. And Xander reiterates that the factory is a burnt up place in the middle of nowhere. Therefore, it's a very much scream all you want scenario. So why didn't Spike kill us? And Willow's saying that he wants us to do the, the love spell. Drusilla broke up with him. And I really like this line from Xander because Xander, Xander's like, gee, and we all hope those crazy kids would make it work. <laughs> so Xander's asking what their options are. And Willow's thought it all out. And she says, I can refuse to do the spell and he kills us. Or I can do the spell and he kills us. <laughs> oh, Willow. And Xander's like, well, what's the third option? And Willow says, he gets so drunk that he forgets about us and we starve to death. <laughs> so that's the best one out of all of them, really. And Xander says, we're not going to die. If Spike's really drunk, he'll get sloppy. And that's when Xander will make his move. Oh, my God. I know. Because you're so capable of vampire slaying, Xander. Come on. But he can't even stand, right? And of course he tries to stand. Willow helps him and then he falls back and Willow falls next to him on the bed. And now they're lying down together and their faces are close. And Willow says, we're not supposed to. And Xander says, exemption for impending death situation. And they start to make out because, you know, oh. that's appropriate right now. Making out with bloody Xander in this burnt down factory is exactly ro the romantic setting that they both looked. But then again, I mean, they would have made out at the romantic bowling alley as well, I, I suppose. <sighs> so what happens? This hurts my soul. Oz and Cordelia have found them in the factory and they're approaching from the staircase and they see them making out on the bed. Can Yeah, can we just... Can we just have a moment of just like, wow. Like, a moment of silence for what we're the, witnessing. The series has been teasing this for the past four episodes. And we knew they were going to get caught. Like, it, they had to get caught. Honestly, I think the most powerful thing about this scene is the fact that Buffy's not there. Because it's just Cordelia and Oz who, who see it. Yeah. The, I just couldn't stop thinking for the rest of the episode how Buffy doesn't know. She doesn't know what's going on right now. As far as she's concerned, she thinks Cordelia and Oz are looking for Giles. She thinks Sander yeah. and Willow are, are, you know, in danger. I just kept thinking, like, Buffy doesn't know what's happening. And, like, how do you have that conversation afterwards? Yeah, oh like, God. me and Xander were making out and Oz saw. Like, this is brutal. This is fucking brutal. Like, I, I can't even imagine... I know what happens, and it's never, it's, thank God it's never happened to me, where you walk in to see the person you love making out with their best friend yeah when you're coming to rescue them yeah like what 
the it's, fuck? It's betrayal on so many levels, and it's so hurtful. It's so it's so, so Cordelia, in her usual like, I'm going to say what I'm going to say, says, "Oh God," and that's it. She shuts up after that, and she's just like taken aback. And Xander and Willow hear her and, and turn around, and Willow looks at them, and she's like, "Oh God, Oz," and you know her mind is immediately thinking about Oz's reaction. Good Willow. You should feel incredibly guilty right now. Infinite amount of guilt for you. No cookies. Um, and no Pez anymore. You notice you know that you notice that Cordelia's hand is covering her mouth yeah. because she's in shock. Oz is his face is unreadable. And that's classic Oz, right? It's really mm-hmm. hard for us to see his emotion. But he it doesn't need to be readable. We know what Oz is feeling because he's expressed his love for Willow earlier in the episode. Mm-hmm. And Cordelia can't take it. She turns around and she runs up the stairs as Xander shouts after her. And, and Oz says, we have to get out of here, right? So he just goes yeah. into like practical mode of like, I'm going to help the two of you get out of here. But yeah. we know the reckoning is coming after that. <sighs> yeah. So Cordelia is running up the stairs and suddenly the stairs give out and Cordelia falls. And... The three of them like run up the stairs and look through the hole and she's lying on the ground. And at first you think, oh, she's okay. She's okay. Cause she says, I fell. But then oh, the camera pans okay. down and she is not okay. There is a huge piece of rebar sticking out of the middle of her torso, like straight through. It, it's honestly like graphically, like it's so disturbing. Like this is... Oh Ugh. my god. Oh, Cordelia. Oh, you poor thing. How the hell are they going to get her off that? They don't. How are they going to get her off that? You do not. You, you get a professional Don't to touch do it. That. Don't, don't touch it. <laughs> just. Yeah. There, there, just like the moment that happened, there was no getting out of there without calling the paramedics because you do not move somebody in that situation because she could have spinal Ugh. damage as well, right? Oh, and like the where it is. It, oh my god. It looks so painful and it's so brutal because it's just like her heart. Can you imagine, Look, like, Cordelia confessed her love for Xander to Buffy three episodes ago. So she yeah. sees this She's guy she a loves very bad making day. out with Willow. Oh, and then she runs and she gets impaled. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. J- J- Joss Whedon, what the fuck? So, okay, so we, we cut to Angel, Spike, and Buffy who are leaving with shopping bags. I think it's so funny that they actually put all the ingredients in shopping bags. And they're leaving the shop. Okay, Spike, we got your stuff. Where are they? And Spike's like, what's your hurry? And Buffy says, the hurry is my intense desire to get you out of my life. Because <laughs> he tends to cause trouble. And wait, I'm going to pause right here. Because what does Spike think going to happen? They're going to find Willow and Xander. And he, does he think that Buffy is just going to let him do the spell? <laughs> I don't think he's thinking at this point, right? I think okay, he's just yeah. along for the ride. Maybe he thinks he can take them all. Like, I don't think he's thinking. He's not thinking straight. He was drunk okay. earlier. He's yeah. coming down from that now. I don't think he, he ca- doesn't care. He's just living in the moment because yeah. what does he have left to live for at this point? If he doesn't get Drusilla back. Yeah. Good point. Good point. So, so they're surrounded by a group of vampires all of a sudden. And one of them says, hello, Spike. And Buffy's just like, yeah, no trouble at all. So Spike calls the main vampire lenny he's like lenny how you been and lenny says better since you left should have stayed gone and buffy's like you know he was just leaving and she turns to spike and she's like don't you start anything and spike says this pissant used to work for me 
Buffy says that the guys are in trouble, so we can't risk this. And Lenny allows Angel and Buffy a pass. He's like, you guys can walk away from this. But Spike reminds them, if I die, your chums die. So Buffy's like, sorry, we're staying. (laughs) And Lenny's like, not for long. And then they all fight. And it's actually a really good fight because it's like each one, like Angel, Spike, and Buffy have three or four vampires on them. And they all spread out and they're all fighting them. And Angel's doing an excellent job, I'll just add. And they're where they are, they're at that like coffee shop set. Mm-hmm. And like it's pretty wide. And I'm like, what time is it at night? Because the, the streets are empty. It can't be that late. And Buffy ends up staking two vamps at once with like a, a pool cube or something. Like it's really cool. Like, um, we haven't seen anything like that yet. Well, I was just thinking for this whole fight sequence, how far the choreography has come from season one, right? Like this is, because oh it's not just Buffy. It's you have Buffy, Spike, and Angel, each of them mm. fighting all of these stunt vampires. It's just like, that's difficult to, to coordinate. And obviously like it's not being filmed in the same sequence that we see the shots, but still it's like, you got to keep everything organized you got to know like which stunt person is fighting which person and it's it's just like clearly the show is is making you know so much more of an effort they have so much more experience at this point and it's truly Mm. nice like it's a good scene it shows it shows like I, i love that spike's like on the car buffy's jumping around the coffee shop angel's fighting with like really cool moves in the alleyway and um the three of them end up barricading themselves in the magic shop and they're putting a big bookcase against the giant window the vamps are trying to break in and the three of them are standing side by side and it's a really good shot of them and spike says this should be a kick and buffy says i violently dislike you and then (laughs) vampires break in from the back door and angel goes to hold the door closed and Buffy and Spike are fighting the other ones and we do a little a really quick cut to Xander trying to climb down to Cordelia and but Willow telling Cordy that Oz went to go get help. So back to the fight, more vampires break through the back door and Angel's getting crushed underneath it. <laughs> and one of the vampires that Angel, that Buffy's fighting, I'll point out, is Asian, I believe. I love it when you do that. <laughs> just, just noticing something. And Lenny's talking to Spike and he's like, heard you gone soft. Sad to see it, man. And Spike's like, soft. And Lenny says, like baby food. And Spike says, well then. Let's give baby a taste. And then he starts to fight him. It's such a good line. And Buffy Man is is helping Angel up from under the door. And she tells him he's not up to his full strength yet. And Angel says, the window's about to go because they're about to break through the giant bookcase. And that's when he sees the bottles of holy water that are lining the shelf. How convenient. How convenient and how perceptive of you, Angel. You're so handsome. So Spike is continuously throwing Lenny's head against the table. And he's like, baby likes his supper. Baby likes his supper. And then he's like, why doesn't baby have a nap? And stakes him. So... The vamps break through the window. Buffy and Angel hurl the holy water at them like bombs or grenades, and they all run away. And it's just the three of them. And Spike says, now that was fun. And Buffy and Angel look exhausted. Um, Buffy's helping Angel stand. And Spike's like, well, don't tell me that wasn't fun. God, it's been so long since I had a decent spot of violence. Really puts things in perspective. (laughs) And... (laughs) And he looks at Buffy helping Angel and he says, oh, yeah, you two, just friends. No danger there. (laughs) And Buffy's like, can we just do the damn spell now? And 
Spike says, oh, saw the spell. Your friends are at the factory. <laughs> He's like, I'm really glad I came here, you know? I've been really wrongheaded about this. Weeping, crawling, blaming everybody else. If I want Drew back, I just got to be the man I was. The man she loved. I'm going to do what I should have done in the first place. I'll find her wherever she is, tie her up, torture her until she likes me again. So Spike's confident again. He's walking past Buffy and Angel. And at the door before he leaves, he says, love's a funny thing. <laughs> I love this. I love everything about this yeah. scene. I love how, <laughs> um, you know, Spike just needed to have a win, right? Like it wasn't ever really about the love spell. It was about he thought he could win back Drusilla. What he really needed, of course... What he really needed all along was his confidence. And now he's got it back. <laughs> and yeah. I like that he's just like, yeah, I'll just tell you where your friends are. And then he leaves. And and that's, <laughs> he's gone. He's done for this episode. And yeah, uh, good luck, Spike. You know, I wish you all the best. Yeah, I mean, we see him one more time. But this is like a really great exit line for him. <laughs> like, love's a funny thing. And it is very much like Kung Fu Panda, right? The secret ingredient was you all along. <laughs> so we cut to Xander. <sighs> So Xander's managed to crawl down into the hole and he's kneeling next to Cordy and he's like, Cordy, please hold on. And Cordelia looks at him and says, Xander, I can't see you. And then passes out. And Xander says, Cordy. And honestly, Cordy might have died here. And I think this is the trick, right? Because we cut to a funeral in the Sunnydale Cemetery, one of them. And it's panning down and we're like, oh shit, Cordelia died. And like, we're going to have a meltdown. And then it pans away and Buffy and Willa are passing the funeral on the street. And Buffy is saying, so Cordelia is going to be okay. And Willow says she lost a lot of blood, but none of her vitals were punctured. Ooh, fake out, fake out. But also, how? How did that miss her vital organs? I don't understand. I mean, there's not a ton of vital organs in that region. Um, is that true? What? I feel like everything is in there. <laughs> I mean, you know, you got your heart, you got your lungs, right? Like, as long as most Ugh. of your liver and one of your kidneys is, is intact, you're okay. Uh, I, I think the danger would have been internal bleeding and infection, right? Like, those would be infection, the two. Infection, yes. Yeah. That's a dirty factory. Um, um, but you got to remember, like, Sunnydale Hospital has some pretty good doctors. And, <laughs> like, they, they told Willow everything, right? Like, the helpful doctor. Yeah. Fill Willow in right away. Speed dial. <laughs> Call up the chatty doctor. Get your fill. Um, okay. But my friend, um, my bestie, has been watching for the first time along with us. Um, and she's obsessed with Buffy now. Anyway, when she got to this episode, she literally thought that Cordelia died. So that's how we know that this show is like really successful in that fake out. Because she was like, what? It's a mean fake it's out. It's really cruel. And... But yeah, she's fine, guys. She's fine. Um, Cordelia's fine. She's just in the hospital. And Buffy asks if Cordelia's talked to Xander yet. And Willow says um, she wasn't allowed visitors at first, but he's good to go see her today. And Buffy asks about Oz. And Willow is saying that she never knew there was anything inside her that could feel this bad. And for the longest time, she never knew what she wanted. And she wanted everything. And now she just wants Oz to talk to her again. Oh, Willow. <sighs> like, I, I do feel sorry for Willow. And here's why. Here's why. I feel sorry for Willow because up until this point in her life, she has been a good girl. You know, she's done everything right. She's behaved herself. She's got good grades. Her parents are happy with her. She's going to go to a good college. She's never partied right. She doesn't smoke. Like, Willow has always walked the line. 
this is her first transgression. And mm-hmm. I think that's hard. I don't think she has the experience of like, how do I deal with letting down somebody so heavily? So I, yeah. I do sympathize with what she's going through um, because I, I think that it, it, it's difficult if you go through your life and you have the privilege of having that insulation of, of not being allowed to fail in, in, in smaller ways to prepare you for when you inevitably do fail in a bigger way like this, right? So she she's falling hard right now. Yeah, I think that's really fair. And, you know, if I'm going to make space for Willow, because I've been pissed at her, I think what she's doing is shady as fuck. But if I were to make space for her, it would be in her inexperience with these kind of feelings and with having relationships and being around men, right? Because we know that she's had feelings for Xander for a very long time. And then they were diminished when she started dating Oz, but they didn't go away. So I I can have space for her in being confused about those feelings and her more mature feelings, I think, for Oz. It doesn't excuse what she did, but at least I can be like, okay, I see where she might have been coming from. And hopefully this lesson learned will make her a better person. And hopefully if Oz takes her back, she can actually treat him the way he deserves to be treated. So Buffy's saying, give it some time and be prepared to do some groveling. And Willow's like, she's all over groveling. Do you think Oz should take her back? Do you think this is something he can, you know, You know what? Um, People go back to people who cheat for a lot of different reasons. Oh, I know they do. I'm just saying, do you think he should? Do I think he should? Um, In my own personal experience, if I were to project my experiences onto Oz, I would warn him not to. (laughs) I just would. I would say if it's meant to be, give it some time, grow up a bit, both you apart, uh, you know, in a couple of years, maybe you'll see each other again. But like... For now, she doesn't deserve him. And that's what I would say. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I think mm-hmm. at this stage, Oz needs some time away from Willow. He needs that space. Um, and Willow has to give him that space. But I also think Willow and Xander need to sort out their shit, right? Like, Absolutely, how are they friends yeah. after this? And, and I think that would dictate a lot of how Willow and Oz um, deal with things. So then we cut yeah. to the hospital. Uh, Cordelia is there. And we can see Cordelia's face, and Xander comes in. He's got a bouquet of flowers. Uh, he's like, can I, can I come in? And Cordelia, Cordelia doesn't say anything. And he starts just kind of like, you know, word vomiting. He's like, they wouldn't let me see you until now. I've got flowers. Uh, he, he sits down next to her. And he's like, Cordy, look, I, I just, I want you to know. And he's about to apologize, clearly. And Cordelia turns around, and she looks at him. Her expression is just very, very raw. And she's very quiet because she's still feeling weak. And she says, Xander? Xander says, yeah. And Cordelia says, stay away from me. And it's all she can get out. And she doesn't talk to him. She turns her head away and Xander leaves. And it's just like, (sighs) same question. Do do you think that they can work through this? (laughs) No. Cordelia should not take Xander back because on one hand, Willow was feeling bad about it before they got caught. Hmm. Xander wasn't. Xander was... Oh, that's a good point. Xander was all about it. He was like, let's go have this double date. I want to kiss your earlobe. Like, fuck off. So you know what? Xander leaves and he looks so hurt and he feels bad, right? As he should. And I'm like, good, Xander. I hope you feel like shit for the rest of your life because maybe this 
is karma and this situation will teach you to judge others' actions as you've been doing all season on Buffy. You've been giving her shit in Dead Man's Party in revelations with your self-righteous bullshit. <laughs> so I love that Cordelia said, stay the fuck away from me. You're toxic. I'm done. And he needed to hear that. He needs to feel this way. And it okay. sucks that Cordelia is made to suffer because God forbid Xander suffer alone. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad that she told him this. And I love that she had no snark on her face. Her usual confidence is gone. Her strength, it, like it's, it's sapped mm -hmm. out of her. But she had enough to look him in the face and say, stay away from me. And I love that after he leaves, she allows herself to cry once he's gone. Like, yeah. do not give this man <laughs> the satisfaction of letting him know, even though he knows but do not let him see those tears, girl. All they need is a Sarah McLaughlin oh. song in the background, right? Oh, I cried. I honestly, I, I let out a tear at this scene because Xander needed to learn his fucking lesson. And I hope he takes this one. I hope he actually learns something from this. This is okay. bullshit behavior. Thank you for explaining your opinions there. Um, and Willow versus Xander and how it comes down to like the lack of guilt um mm. that makes a lot of sense to me and i appreciate that right because sometimes i just i have trouble understanding the intricacies <laughs> of romantic relationships and it confuses me yeah. a lot so i appreciate the the help with that intention matters right no worries um but we're we're not done yet we're not done crying yet because angel is sitting there thinking and brooding as he does <laughs> um and buffy comes in and he gets up and he's so happy to see her. And he's like, I was wondering when you were coming. And Buffy says, I'm not coming back. <laughs> God, this episode, it started out so fun. And then all of a sudden it just takes a twist. <laughs> so she says, we're not friends. We never were. And I can fool Giles and I can fool my friends, but I can't fool myself or Spike for some reason. Mm -hmm. What I want from you, I can never have. You don't need me to take care of you anymore, so I'm going to go. And Angel says, I don't accept that. And Buffy says, you have to. And Angel says, look. And he takes a step toward her, and Buffy takes a step back, keeping that distance between them, because we know that when they get close to each other, it's fire. So he says, there must be some way that we can still see each other. And Buffy says, there is. Tell me that you don't love me. Oh. Oh. <laughs> god oh god and angel can't because he so does and neither can she so she just turns and she leaves and saying tell me that you don't love me is a callback to i only have eyes for you when they had that fight as the ghosts mm. right like tell me you don't love me so a sad song starts playing and we get a montage willow is looking at her pez witch sadly oz is at the bronze looking at his guitar sadly xander's in the library putting away books sadly Cordelia's lying in her hospital bed, sadly. Buffy is sitting on a bench, sadly. <laughs> and everyone's single and sad. And I couldn't help but say, it's like, where do we go from here? <laughs> I, I don't know what that's a reference to. But so so again, I love this episode because the 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 narrative balance is there. Everybody who started this episode happy is now sad. And Spike, yeah. who started this episode completely, just absolutely sad, he's happy. <laughs> yeah. And he's driving <laughs> yeah. his car, his shaded little car, um, and he's singing My Way, My but way. he's singing the <laughs> punk version of it. He's rocking out. 
And that's the end of the episode. Bye, Spike. We'll miss you for now, right? Until next time. So who's your hero? It's hard. I picked Oz and Cordy because you know what? It's not easy to go through what they're going through. And Mm -hmm. I wish them all the best. I really do. I think they both... Cordy ran away. She could have attacked them, I guess. And Oz just was like, let's get this out. Like, you know, let's let's save you. And I think it's interesting we don't get to kind of see Oz's reaction afterwards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go a little strange with my pick here for hero. And I, I'm curious Ooh. to see your reaction. I think my hero of the episode is Spike. Okay, let's hear why. Because he comes into the mix, right? And he drops the truth bombs he drops the truth bomb on buffy about her and angel um and he's working through his shit and he's responsible for xander and court uh xander and willow telling on themselves in a way right like and that's obviously that causes pain for cordelia and and oz but it needed to come out i think spike brought a lot of truth into this episode and so he may not have been a hero in the sense of like he was a good guy and he helped the he helped everybody out, but I, I think that he his presence here was very necessary for making the other characters realize things. So good job, Spike. An anti-hero. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, I have a question. Yes. Where was Faith this whole episode? <laughs> Maybe she was at the retreat. <laughs> Well, I don't know. No, that's gross stuff. Um, So like Faith would have loved being present here, right? Because she would have loved fighting like 18 vampires at once. She would have loved meeting Spike. I mean, Faith and Spike would have hit it off so well. So I'm just like, where's like Faith would have been perfectly Buffy, why didn't you call Faith? I know that you and her were a little rocky before, but this is Xander and Willow's life lives we're talking about so you know call (laughs) faith and be like uh yeah they're probably at this abandoned factory (laughs) yeah i think like maybe they're giving faith some space right now because she was really embarrassed in revelations when she got fooled so easily also like this is this this episode was actually when you think about it like action wise and big bad villain of the season wise nothing really happened but it was a very much like a a character-driven episode. Mm. And we were really focused on all the relationships, which, of course, we had three big breakups in this episode. And Faith, unfortunately, is not part of that part of the show. Oz and Willow broke up, Xander and Cordelia, and Angel and Buffy all broke up. And that's, like, Spike came in to stir up those relationships because he was going through a breakup. So with the theme of relationships in Lover's Walk, I don't see where Faith fits in. Again, it would have been nice to see her, like, pop in and be like, oh, look yeah. for them too, but, like, you know, it's, it's know. crowded. It's overcrowded at that point. All right. You're right. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe we'll see her next episode. She'll come along. <laughs> we'll see her again. <laughs> oh, that, that that plucky Faith. She's a firecracker. <laughs> that rascal. <laughs> um, all right. We got some hot steaks. We do. We have some hot steaks. The first one is from Kelly. Kelly just wanted to share some of her Buffy and Angel thoughts. And I'm always here for that, especially in an episode where Buffy and Angel (sighs) decided that they're not friends. They're nothing. And that hurts. So she just wanted to take a moment to talk about Buffy and Angel and first loves. She says that uh, we mentioned in the surprise episode that this was Buffy's first love and how intense it was for her. But Kelly wants to point out that this is also Angel's first love and possibly only love at this point. 
And then she goes on to talk about when Angel had the sex with Buffy and how he lost his soul because it was the first time in his life that he was connecting with someone he truly loved in that intimate way. It was like pure bliss to him. So in a lot of ways, it was almost like Angel's first time, just like Buffy's. So it was that moment of pure happiness for them both, which is why he lost his soul. And it also is a reason why Buffy and Angel are actually really well matched in the way that they grew into what they were becoming together, (laughs) if that makes sense. In a lot of ways, Buffy and Angel grew up together. So for Kelly, that makes him being so much older, not as creepy, but also her heart breaks that they couldn't see that relationship fulfilled, obviously before she killed him, but also right now, before they can really turn friends into lovers in season three. So they will both go on to live their lives, but there will never be a Buffy and Angel kind of love for them ever again. And that's what makes Buffy and Angel so special and so heartbreaking. Kelly couldn't have said it better myself. They were written as an epic romance and written well. And I think we can all buy into that heartbreaking aspect of why they can't be together, but why they're actually meant to be together in a lot of ways. It, It was such an important part of season two. And the aftermath is so important in season three. And even when Buffy slash Angel aren't a thing anymore in the series, Angel's always going to be a part of the show, like in, in, a, in a spiritual and emotional sense. He's always going to be mm-hmm. this figure in Buffy's life in some ways. I don't, I don't want to go into spoilers as to what that means, but it's just like, yeah, this was this was her first love. And, and I like the way you frame that of like, it was Angel's first love too. Just look at this episode, right? Like, it's selfless love. That's true love, right? Mm. Like Angel wants the best for Buffy and that's truly what true love is all about. <sighs> so our second hot stake is from Lita and Lita wants to talk about the bathroom scene from Beauty and the Beasts where Buffy is confronting Debbie about Pete's abusive behavior. And Lita says the bathroom scene in this episode is one that feels so out of character for Buffy. Uh, a lack of empathy that feels very in line with Joss Whedon's 1990s feminism that demands women be tough to be worthy of respect. But this time around, it did remind me of I Only Have Eyes For You. Buffy's aggression towards Debbie is similar to how she felt about James. She identifies with their situation, and the anger we see from her is a projection of her feelings of guilt over killing Angel, uh, James. Uh, and over sending Angel to a hell dimension, Debbie. This might be a generous read because the show obviously has more sympathy for James than for Debbie, ick. Uh, but it did feel watching the bathroom scene this time around that she was yelling at the version of her who wasn't able to kill Angel, a weak version of herself. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I think there there is a parallel there. I think it is Buffy projecting and being upset with herself. And, and thank you for making that connection to I Only Have Eyes for You, Lita. Man, this show is heavy <laughs> and great. I love it. I, there's so much. And like we've come so far. And like you were saying, mm. we have so much more to play with now, yeah. you know, three seasons in. So it's just like, mm, it's so satisfying. This show is so good. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that you think that and that we're doing this podcast. Uh, we've got a couple of thank yous for some new Buy Me A Coffee supporters. <gasps> Um, so first off, we've got Melalani, and they said that they think that this podcast is a perfect mix of recap and analysis. So thank you, Melalani, because we appreciate the feedback and we appreciate the support. Thank you. And then we have longtime listener and Hot Stakes contributor Casey, and Casey 
uh, joined us at the Slayer level. Casey's our girl. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Casey. Uh, she's been a fan of the show since it first aired on the WB in 1997. You're old, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> no. Sorry. Once you once you give us money, we also make fun of you. Um, <laughs> I started watching the show, Casey says, because I loved the movie, which I loved because I was a huge fan and always will be of Luke Perry. May he rest in peace. Mm. I feel like you can identify with that stuff. I can. <laughs> also, I watched a lot of Riverdale. So. <laughs> uh, Casey says, I was 13 when the show started. And I remember being on the phone with my crush live watching the show together almost every week on our landlines. Aww. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and then story. coming to school the next day and talking about it again. Oh, my God. That's so cool. When Willow and Xander started sneaking around, I was praying my crush would realize I was his Willow and kiss me. <laughs> Did he? Uh, he did. Ah! <laughs> and it was a great couple of weeks of smooching. Uh, oh not the right takeaway. Casey knows this, but I was 13 and in love. Um, and Casey says her favorite character has changed. You know, it depends on where she's been in her life, her maturity. She says, I liked Xander as a fellow sarcastic, inappropriate joke maker uh, that didn't come from a lot of money. And I, I think we've heard that from you before, before Casey and Mm -hmm. you, know, you, you say, I'm still not fully on board with the Xander slander, but I do cringe more than I did back then. Cool. We'll work on you. Um, <laughs> we'll get there, Casey. <laughs> I like Cordelia for her ditzy humor and me always wanting her fashion sense and popularity. I definitely crushed on Giles, especially after watching Band Candy. Um, however, the one that kept me coming back for more, and this is an appropriate episode, was Spike. <laughs> His delivery, his humor, his swagger, his whole character I've loved since yes, he first yes, yes. blessed our screens. Um, yes, and then yes, yes, yes. we go into some spoilers, so I'm not going to read that part, but I'm with you. I'm with you, Casey. Spike is a wonderful character. Mm -hmm. And then finally, we have a new chosen one, a new producer for our show. Hannah is joining us. Hannah says she loves Willow endlessly. And she got into Buffy after hearing about its groundbreaking handling of same-sex couples. Yeah. Um, and she said, my little bisexual heart was in love with Willow at first sight. So um, I'm very curious, Hannah, to hear what you think as the show develops and, and we see that element come into play later on. I th also thought it was cute. So our chosen ones, they get to a link to a website of their choice in our show notes. And Hannah asked us to link to her Etsy shop where she makes little like crocheted bee toys uh, in like, she's got like little Marvel characters and stuff and uh, they're really nice. So if you're they're so in the cute. Mood, yeah, if you're in I the mood for them. a gift or something, check out Hannah's Etsy shop. The link is in the show notes. It's bee, the animal bee nerdy crafts <laughs> on Etsy. Check it out. Uh, so thank you to all of our supporters uh, and thank you to our chosen ones, Hannah, Emma, and Lizzie. Thanks so much, everybody. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and prophecy underscore girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website 
proxygirls.ca. See you next week. Bye.